A quick note to our listeners that today's topic will be of an adult nature and is not suitable for all ages. Do you dread having the SEX talk with your kids because you're unsure about when and how to get started? Do you avoid questions that might lead to discussions about sex or anything at all associated with what happens behind closed doors? Are you even uncomfortable with these two questions that I just asked you? Well then, buckle up everybody because we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. Ginger and I would like to say a big thank you to Kim Hanna in Colorado for your monthly support. Kim wrote this, I love hearing the wisdom and practical tips. Thanks for always pointing us back to Jesus. Oh, and let me just chime in here, Katie, because I actually had the privilege of meeting Kim in Buena Vista in April. Uh, Kim is the one that requested that her church bring me out for a parenting conference, and we just had the best time. She is a lovely person with a lovely Australian accent. I could listen to her all day, and I just so much enjoyed meeting and getting to talk to her. So thank you, Kim, for asking your church to bring me in, and thank you for your monthly support. And thank you to all of our listeners for your support, which helps us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. If you're a homeschooling mom like me, then you know the excitement of peeling that protective film off a set of curricula complete with brand new lesson plans. But as we all know, a week or so into those plans, life happens. Someone gets sick. Someone leaves their spelling book at the soccer field. Someone gets stuck on a math concept. And suddenly, those lesson plans are completely obsolete. This is one of the many reasons I'm excited to introduce you to the BJU Press Homeschool Hub. When life inevitably happens and our plans change, the Hub calendar makes any necessary assignment adjustments with just a few clicks of a mouse. But that's not all it can do. I can look at the Hub dashboard and quickly see how my kids have progressed through their courses, what assignments they need to finish, and how many lessons they have before each course is completed. There's also a grade book that will track graded assignments and create report cards. My favorite part is that I can keep track of our wonderful BJU press courses as well as any other outside resources. So I have one tool that keeps track of everything. It's almost like they asked a bunch of homeschoolers, hey, what's the most stressful part of homeschooling? And then they developed an awesome tool to alleviate those issues. Next, I hope they'll get to work on the housekeeping hub. To find out more about BJU Press Homeschool Hub, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and watch the video to learn more. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Ginger, as we were preparing for this episode, I realized that there are a lot of directions we could have gone with this. Um, Gender dysphoria, homosexuality, and many, many hot button cultural (laughs) issues. You and I already talked about the fact that we want to do an entire episode on how to protect our kids from the harmful effects of pornography, as well as an episode specifically on masturbation, since we've actually received many questions along those lines. But for the sake of this show, we're going to stick to the topic of how and when to talk to our kids about sex. So Ginger, why don't you start by sharing with our listeners about your own experience with your kids, and then we'll get to a few listener questions. Okay, that sounds good. 
Well, as far as my own experience, if I could go back, I would have handled this topic very differently with my kids. I skirted around their questions with vague answers that didn't satisfy their curiosity when they were younger, and I waited until they were around 12 to have the big talk. And Alex, my daughter, who's now 26, shared with me not too long ago why that was one of the things she wants to do differently with her kids, because my avoiding the topic until she was older, it caused her to view sex in a negative light. She felt like if it was too taboo to talk about it with mom, then it must be bad. Mm. When she was around eight, she asked my mom and then asked my sister-in-law if they had sex. And I got on to her for asking. I told her that it was an inappropriate question to ask anyone if they're having sex, which is true. I mean, you need to use some discretion there, not just go around <laughs> asking people if they're having sex. But the reason she was asking them is because she wasn't getting the answers she needed from me. And again, me correcting her for asking made her feel like sex was a subject that must be too naughty to discuss. Now, I'm not saying that we should give an eight-year-old details that they aren't mature enough to process, but not satisfying their natural curiosity and telling them that they need to wait until they're older for answers is not wise because it puts them at risk of seeking answers from sources that are not in line with God's word about sex. It could also put them at risk of not being able to discern between what is good and what is evil when it comes to sexuality. And we want them to be able to discern that at a young age, just because of what kids are exposed to at such a young age nowadays. So listeners, learn from my mistakes. Sex should not be a one-time conversation at a designated time, and then we just check it off our list. Kids are always thinking always developing, always processing, and always trying to figure things out. It's better for us to be the one helping them do that in ways that point to God's goodness and His plan for His children. I completely agree, Ginger. So to go ahead and give a short answer to the when part of when we should talk to our kids about sex, Ginger and I both believe that the answer is early and often. Mm-hmm. One reason is because we have a solid biblical model for this, and we'll discuss more of that in just a little bit. But another reason is because if we're going to combat all the lies they're going to encounter in the world, we have to be diligent about inviting their curiosity rather than trying to clean up after it. And what I mean by that is we don't want to wait until they've learned or discovered something from who knows where before we inform them about it. Exactly. And as we've all heard Katie say, there is a whole world wide web of wackadoos out there who would love nothing more than to indoctrinate our kids with lies about sex. Whereas God is the creator of sex and he created it to be a wonderful and beautiful gift for husbands and wives to enjoy and to make more children to bring him glory. That's right. Well, Ginger, when you have a parenting podcast and you invite questions from listeners, this question is bound to come up eventually. So we weren't at all surprised to receive several listener questions on the topic of talking to our kids about sex. The first one is from Kristen in Georgia, and she writes this. I have three kids, ages eight, six, and four. I'm recently divorced, and my kids now have step-siblings, ages 11, an 11-year-old girl, and a 13-year-old boy. I haven't had any sex talks with my kids and have had few conversations with them about puberty with my eight-year-old. I want to prepare my kids for what they may see in their new step-siblings and guide them well in their own body health. I realize I'm a little late with my eight-year-old, but would like any recommendations for good books to read with my kids regarding their body changes and a Christian perspective on sex. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. 
Kristen, I love that you said you want to prepare your kids with these facts of life because that's one of our biblical responsibilities as parents. God tells us to initiate teaching the truths of His Word, and so we need to be doing that with our kids. He says in Deuteronomy 4.10, assemble the people before me to hear my word so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Well, one of the things God talks about in His Word is His beautiful design for sex. All of God's teachings are good and holy, and they all should be discussed with our kids. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. When and where are we to talk about Scripture with our kids? Deuteronomy 11.19 answers that question for us. That verse says, Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. All of these verses say that we are to initiate teaching all of God's Word to our kids. Now, just to clarify, I'm not talking about initiating conversations about sex as in offering details that they're not even curious about yet, but initiating some of the biblical truths about God creating men and women differently and how that all ties in together to accomplish His will for families. And I think it's wise to initiate these conversations sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. We want to be the ones to shape their understanding of sex before the world does. It's better to teach them a biblical view while they're younger than to have to go back and try and debunk a worldly view when they're older. Genesis one twenty seven is a great place to start. Uh, that talks about how God created us in His own image. It says, male and female, He created them. When they're little, we can start by talking to them about how God created males and females with different body parts. We can teach them the correct names for those parts and how those different parts are to be private and not shared with anyone until marriage because God made them as special gifts just for husbands and wives. Ginger, I completely agree that we, moms and dads together, need to be the ones to initiate these conversations with our kids, and we don't really need to look any further than God's Word to understand why. I want to quote now from a book I'm reading called Preparing Children for Marriage by Dr. Josh Mulvihill. It is a fantastic book, and we'll be sure to put a link in the show notes. If that name sounds familiar, listeners, it's because we had Josh on the show to talk about grandparenting back in episode 61. He has also written books about biblical worldview and raising children in general, but here's what he had to say in this book about our kids' sex education. Many parents are fearful to declare the whole counsel of God to their children. Parents often reason that children are not developmentally ready to hear the full teaching of Scripture. Parents and pastors break from the biblical pattern when they teach limited portions of Scripture to children. Could it be that one reason young people are doctrinally ignorant— spiritually confused, and living with a syncretistic faith system is that we have reduced our teaching to the couple dozen moralistic stories found in most children's Bibles. Our children need the soul-gripping, life-altering, meat-based, Jesus-centered teachings of God's Word. I love that. In, mm-hmm. in other words, we're teaching our children to have a shallow, disjointed, and incomplete faith when we fail to teach the whole counsel of God. Mm. Very true. Throughout the Bible, we see the people of God assembled together, including children, and taught the whole counsel of God. Just like you did, Ginger, Dr. Mulvihill goes to Deuteronomy 6 as an example. He says, Moses commands parents and grandparents to diligently teach children the commands of God. Just what commands are parents to teach children? Are parents simply to teach children virtues and character traits? No. In Deuteronomy 5, 6 through 21, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments. These were the commands that parents were to obey, place on their hearts, and teach diligently to children throughout the normal routine of the day. 
This includes, of course, the seventh and tenth commandments. You shall not commit adultery and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. This is why we shouldn't, as Christians, teach our kids about sex as being detached from marriage. So I highly encourage everyone to get Dr. Mulvihill's book because he makes a really good case for diligently teaching our children the whole counsel of God, including God's commands related to marriage and sex. Yeah, Josh communicates that so well in his book, and I love how he's not making a case to back why he thinks we should be talking to our kids about what the Bible says about sex. He points out how Scripture itself makes that case. So the question of, should I talk to my kids about this issue, isn't up for debate. The Bible has already answered that question. The Bible puts no age restrictions on teaching children the whole counsel of God. Exactly. But Ginger, I can sympathize with the desire to have other resources on hand to assist parents as they have these conversations with their kids. While the Bible gives us the why God created males and females and why he created marriage and sex, we're not given much information about the logistics of how those things are actually fleshed out, no pun intended. And those are, in my experience, often the types of questions kids will ask when they first learn about sex. So I have found a few resources to be very helpful to address the how part of how to talk to our kids about sex. The first book I read with all of my kids is called When You Were Inside Mommy by Joanna Cole. It's a sweet little book that is a great way to ease into these conversations with our kids. Also, uh, different from that is a trusted series I recommend called God's Design for Sex. We'll put a link to the entire series in our show notes. But there's a book for parents called How and When to Talk to Your Kids About Sex, which is very in-depth and helpful. But they also have four books for children that will walk parents through these conversations with their kids. Book one is for ages three to five. That book is called The Story of Me. Book two is for ages five to eight, and it's called Before I Was Born. Book three is for ages eight to 12 and is called What's the Big Deal? Why God Cares About Sex. And book four is for ages 12 to 16 and is called Facing the Facts, The Truth About Sex and You. My husband and I are so grateful for these books and how they have guided us in these conversations. And I want to encourage parents to do two things before they read these books with their children. The first thing is to read them through in their entirety before you sit down to do that with your kids. The second thing is to be careful not to shy away from the parts of the book that make you uncomfortable because there will be parts that make you uncomfortable. Pray about those things for sure, but also be willing to address areas that might be outside your comfort zone. And I'll tell you why. Your children will almost certainly receive a robust sex education before they leave your home. Make no mistake about that. They will eventually learn all the things in those books, even the homeschooled kids, (laughs) believe me. And like you said, Ginger, we have to ask ourselves, do we want to be the ones to teach these things to our children? Or to put it bluntly, do we want to abdicate our God-given responsibility and give that job to others whose intentions we don't know? Mm, That's such a good point. We want to be certain that our kids are learning a healthy and a biblical view of sex. And really, the only way that we can do that is if we're the ones who are spearheading those conversations. Mm -hmm. Sex is just not a topic that we want someone else teaching our kids. Now, this isn't to shame anyone whose kids are in the school system where sex education is being taught. But this is one of those subjects where the parents would be 
wise to do more than just sign off on the report card. Mm-hmm. We need to know what our kids are being taught so that we can help them discern between right and wrong and good and evil. And the only way that we can do that is to be assertive and to find out what information is being fed to them. So I really encourage parents to read the curriculum being used and pour over your kids' assignments and then take time to counteract any lies that could lead them astray with the truths of God's Word. And speaking of sex education in the schools, we've received this email from listener Hetty in Virginia, who said this, My 10-year-old, who was in the fourth grade, brought home a sex education paper from school. The topics weren't things I was upset with, but I wanted to be able to give him biblical guidance to what God expects in all of these changes he will come to face. I was raised in a very sheltered Christian home and was never taught about these topics and ended up jumping in head first, not understanding what I was doing at a young age. She then lists some of the topics that uh, they plan to discuss and ended with some very kind words about our podcast. So I just want to say thank you for that, Hetty, for your kind words about our podcast. And you are a wise mama to be actively involved in what your child is learning about sex in school. And I very much admire your desire to point your son to God's word. So Katie, I know you've done some pretty extensive research as to what's being taught in some of the public schools regarding sex. Not all of them. There are some really good public school systems, but there's also some really bad ones. And so I think now, Katie, would be a good time for you to share what some of your research showed. Sure. And I do want to credit Dr. Josh Mulvihill again for pointing out this information in his book. So again, go to our show notes to get a link to that book. But I want to avoid fear-mongering here because I know there's a lot of that happening in our world right now. So I'm going to read directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak, to inform our listeners of what is being promoted in many of the public schools throughout our country. I feel the need to share this since children as young as five are being given a federally funded, quote, comprehensive education about sexuality so that they can, quote, become sexually healthy adults. So there's an organization called SECUS that stands for the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States. And the tagline on their website is Sex Ed for Social Change. So that's pretty clear that their reason for existing is to educate children about what they, this organization, consider to be a comprehensive sex education that will produce what they believe to be sexually healthy adults. So Mm. those phrases were borrowed from their materials that you can find on their website. I'm not going to read through each of the fine points in their position statement, but I will have Heather put a link to that in our show notes. Parents of children in public school, I highly encourage you to read this document and learn more about what your children as young as kindergarten are being taught regarding their sex education or might be being taught regarding their sex education. But here's what Sikas says about masturbation. Sikas believes that masturbation can be a way of becoming comfortable with one's body and enjoying one's sexuality, whether or not in a sexual relationship. Masturbation is a safe alternative to shared sexual behavior. Sikas believes that no one should be made to feel guilty for choosing or not choosing to masturbate. With regards to abortion, Sikas believes that every woman regardless of age or income, should have the right to obtain an abortion under safe, legal, affordable, easily accessible, confidential, and dignified conditions. Mm. And with regards to sexually explicit materials, Sikas believes that sexually explicit visual, printed, or online materials can be valuable educational or personal aids when sensitively used in a manner appropriate to the viewer's age and developmental level. Such materials can help reduce ignorance and confusion 
and contribute to a positive concept of sexuality while supporting the sexual rights of all. Now, this is just a sampling, so I really do encourage you all to read more about this, especially if you have school-aged children. Mm -hmm. Wow. Providing our kids with sexually explicit, visual, printed, or online materials and deeming those materials as valuable educational or personal aids. Right. And we wonder why porn addiction is so rampant and why perversion is corrupting what God created to be a beautiful expression of love. Mm -hmm. Again, we really need to be aware of what our kids are being taught because many of the public school systems, again, not all, but many, have an agenda to indoctrinate our kids in accordance with their perverted views of sexuality, which do not line up with Christian values. They do not line up with God's Word. Some public school systems have taken it upon themselves to do more than teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. They've assumed a responsibility that isn't theirs to take. Mm. They determine that they, not the parents, have the authority and the right to shape and mold the morality and the character and even the spiritual beliefs of our children. But we also want to caution those parents whose kids are not in public school and so feel a bit relieved that what Katie just read doesn't (laughs) apply to them or to their children because that's not true either. Sex education is happening all around us. Uh, It's on TV commercials, during football games, it's in the magazines, at the grocery store checkout line, it's in their favorite cartoons, and it's in public libraries. That's exactly right. Now, again, I'm going to quote Dr. Josh Mulvihill here. We really should have had him on the show, I was just thinking that. We should have just pulled him in on this one. (laughs) At this point, we're just quoting him profusely, but uh, he's just so helpful in Mm -hmm. seeing this from a very biblical perspective. But here's what he says. The culture we live in celebrates sexual sin by making it readily available to anyone at any time in any location. We should be diligent to shield our children from as much evil as possible for as long as possible. But there will come a day in every child's life when he or she is exposed to sexual sin or unbiblical teaching about sex and marriage. For most children, this happens sooner rather than later. And this is Josh talking again. In my experience... Major exposure of some form happens to most children by their early to mid-elementary years. Mm. Parents are often unaware of the need to address this topic early. I continually hear from parents about sexual experiences their children have had much sooner than the parents anticipated. A high percentage of parents expect that middle and high school years will be filled with dating and purity challenges, but many do not realize that this happens for many students as early as kindergarten. Mm, Yep, way before their natural curiosity would kick in. Mm -hmm. Their being exposed to sexual sin and even experiencing sexual sin before they're old enough or mature enough to even understand what it is. I shared in a previous episode that I was sexually assaulted in fourth grade by another student. And, you know, I remember I didn't even understand what he was doing at the time. I just remember being scared and confused and very uncomfortable. But nowadays, with the way our kids are being exposed to explicit and inappropriate sexual behavior, it's no wonder that those sins are being acted on as early as kindergarten. You know, I, huh, I I find this whole topic really, really sad, gender. And when something is stressful for me to think about, I tend to avoid it. That's sort of how I cope. <laughs> Not a healthy way to cope. Um, but it's kind of like getting an oil change in your car. This is the analogy for me. When I first started driving, I was terrible about procrastinating with getting the oil changed. And there were many times when things really started to feel off with my car while I was driving and I couldn't quite figure out why it just wasn't working correctly. But then I would notice that little sticker 
um, you know, the one that I had been staring at for 5,000 miles or so. And I would realize that this thing I had been putting off for so long had actually done real damage to my vehicle. And it makes me wonder how many Christian parents treat these conversations with our kids in the same way? How often do we procrastinate or wait until there's something really off before we address it? Or worse, do we bury our heads in the sand, never address sex with our kids, and just hope for the best? Instead, we need to treat these conversations like regular maintenance of our cars that serve to prevent problems rather than trying to clean up after Mm, them. That's good. And I know that we haven't even addressed how our own feelings of shame or trauma relating to sex might make these conversations just so difficult for some parents. But that pain, that trauma in our past does not negate our God-given responsibility to teach the full counsel of God to our children. Mm. Katie, and I think you just hit the nail on the head as to one of the reasons that I was so uncomfortable and afraid of having those conversations with my kids early on about sex. Mm. I'm just going to be real vulnerable here. Um, I didn't want to be a do as I say, not as I do kind of parent. And I was kind of mixed up in the way I was thinking about that in regards to sex. My fear was that if I was super open to talk about sex with my kids, that they would ask me if I waited until marriage. And Mm. I was so fearful that my kids would not only see me as a hypocrite, but that my sinful choices might lead them to follow in my footsteps. But then, thankfully, as I grew in my faith and began to really grasp and accept God's forgiveness and atonement, He began to reveal to me that if I would stop worrying, stop being so fearful, and stop trying to hide the truth about my past uh, with my kids, in other words, if I would stop trying to control what my kids would think and how they might respond, Mm. that He would use those conversations of honesty for His glory. Uh, He would use my transparency and humility to teach my kids about His grace and redemption for repentant sinners. So I moved, after a lot of prayer and really studying the Bible, I moved from fearing that the enemy would use my sin for evil in their lives to trusting that God would use His redemption for good in their lives. And thankfully, that is exactly what He did. Hmm. Ginger, I just appreciate you sharing that. That's... Well, it's not something that's easy to share. No, it's it's not. But... um, you and know, I know there are listeners who are going to benefit from hearing that today, that mm. they they have put off this thing for fear of what their children will think about them. But in reality, it's an opportunity to display mm-hmm. God's glory That's in right. your life and His grace and in His your grace. life. That's exactly. right. Amen. Okay, here's something I'd like to get your opinion on, Ginger. I spoke to a fellow Christian mom recently who indicated that her husband was about to sit down and have the talk with their nine-year-old boy. And her comment to me was, oh, I wouldn't want to have that conversation with him. That would be so awkward. And I think that's probably been the sentiment for decades, maybe millennia. I don't know, maybe since the beginning of time. Uh, (laughs) But I was taken aback by her response. And maybe it's because I'm with my kids for so many hours every day that conversations like that just tend to flow quite naturally. So I haven't felt the least bit awkward answering my kids' questions about their bodies and sex in a general sense. And they're not shy at all (laughs) to ask me questions about these things either. But I'm starting to think I'm in a pretty big minority here, Mm -hmm. even amongst Christians who also believe that sex is designed by God and is very good in the context of marriage. So I guess I'm curious to know your thoughts about moms talking to their boys and dads talking to their girls about these things and whether or not it could be problematic to limit our conversations between a parent and child of the same sex. So is it wise or unwise to tell little Junior that he needs to direct all of his questions of a certain type to dad rather than having me answer them in that moment? 
Well, there's nothing in the scripture that specifies that moms should talk to daughters and dads should talk to sons. Sex is, like we've said, a beautiful and blessed union of love shared between husband and wife that God openly talks about with all of his children, male and female. Mm -hmm. To say that it's only appropriate for moms to talk to daughters and dads to talk to sons would imply that if sex is discussed with the wrong parent, that it's wrong or shameful. Within the confines of marriage, sex is not shameful. It's a wonderful gift of God that we should be comfortable talking about with our sons and daughters. If dad tells daughter, talk to mom about it, and mom tells son, talk to dad about it, that sends a message to our kids that either mom or dad think it's inappropriate to discuss. Mm. It's healthy for kids to see that mom and dad have a unified and holy view of sex, so neither should shy away from those conversations with either gender, uh, or they might cause confusion confusing and conflicting ideas. Now, having said that, if you are uncomfortable about having these conversations with your sons and daughters, if you're afraid that you'll say too much or too little or the wrong thing, uh, take time to educate yourself on how to talk to your kids about sex before you do it. As we said, the Bible is absolutely the best source, but there are also some wonderful resources out there for helping parents communicate biblical truths about sex to children at age-appropriate levels. Again, we'll put a link in the show notes for all of those books that Katie mentioned earlier earlier that helps parents discuss the topic from a biblical perspective at age-appropriate levels. It breaks it down. That whole series is broken down by age. So that's that's a fantastic uh, resource to get. Yeah, it really is. Well, I just appreciate your perspective on that, Ginger. And I do think it's good for us to be the ones our kids come to when they have questions. Whether my sons come to me or my daughter goes to her dad, we want to be a safe place for them to ask anything and everything without discomfort and shame. And, you know, one thing I've noticed is that there have been questions that I didn't feel as equipped to answer uh, because I'm not male. And so I have done my best to answer those questions and then say, but hey, I think your dad will really have a lot more insight on Mm, this. So you really should talk to him about that also. Mm -hmm. Not turning him away, but saying, hey, go to dad for more. And uh, that has been helpful up to this point. Mm Another thing that parents are curious about is when to start talking to our kids about sex. We've discussed why and how, and we've briefly touched on when, but what are your thoughts on this, Ginger? Do you think there is such thing as talking to our kids about sex too early? Well, no matter how young they are, if they're asking, they need age-appropriate answers so that they understand that sex is not something that's too taboo to talk about. We don't want them to perceive their natural curiosities about it as being dirty or ugly or naughty. So we always want to welcome those questions and answer in accordance with their age. We always want to shed sex in a positive light when experienced in accordance with God's Word. We want them to view it as a precious gift to look forward to in God's timing. Absolutely. And we can, again, take it right back to Genesis with our kids. If we start when they're really young talking about animals and nature and how we fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply, then those conversations tend to happen more naturally. For example, one of my kids who shall remain nameless (laughs) was watching (laughs) two birds on our front porch. And there was clearly a mama bird and a daddy bird, both guarding a nest. And this child already understood the animal's mate to create baby animals, but the question was asked, how do they mate? Which then led to the question, how long do they mate? So I did what any resourceful homeschooling mom does, and I Googled that real fast. (laughs) (laughs) As it turns out, birds really aren't into longevity. Uh, While the entire mating ritual can be carried out for weeks, the act itself only lasts a few seconds to a few minutes. But then there was this question. So... How long does it take for humans to mate? 
<laughs> and Ginger. Natural curiosity. It, you know, yep. it took everything in me not to laugh like an immature child myself. But I, I did keep my cool and I answered, well, that just really depends. Uh, it usually takes longer than birds. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And mercifully, that answer seemed to satisfy this child and we moved on to something else. Yeah. And that's the key. You know, give those simple answers and then mm-hmm. see if that leads to more questions or if that satisfies them. So there's some discernment that we can use there to not share too much too soon while at the same time satisfying that natural curiosity. Right. All right. And let me just say here, Katie, too, um, that the natural curiosity level of kids is not the same as adults, like we just said. So let's not be too quick to launch into a super descriptive answer when that might not be what they're looking for at all. Mm -hmm. So again, just use that discernment by starting with a simple and basic answer and see if that satisfies them. And again, their response is going to help you determine whether or not it's time to share more. Exactly. Sometimes a quick answer is plenty and will satisfy their curiosity. But the older my children get, the more I realize that being open to their questions and answering them honestly and without embarrassment has given them so much freedom to talk about all sorts of things. Now, occasionally there's a topic that I know for certain is beyond their ability to understand. So I will say something like, you know, sweetheart, you're not quite ready to learn about that, but I will absolutely share that with you when you're a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, But I would caution parents not to pull that card too often because, like you said, Ginger, if a child has the awareness and the maturity to ask a specific question in the first place, then they are most likely mature enough to receive a clear, unambiguous answer from their parents. Right. Also, if they continue to come and ask the same question over and over, that is definitely a cue that it's time to give them a little bit more specific answers. Exactly. Now, on occasion... My kids will ask questions that are truly of a private nature between their dad and me, and I'll just decline to answer those. So I say something like, well, you know, that's something special that God has said should remain between a husband and a wife. And one day when you're married, you'll be able to share those things with your spouse as well. And again, because we've had these types of conversations since they were very young, my kids graciously accept that answer and move on. So Another word of caution, though, I would avoid lumping all of their questions into that category. I only answer that way when the questions are so specific to my husband and me. However, I'm very willing to answer any questions they have in a more generalized way, and I don't ever scold them for asking even the more personal questions, because how else will they learn those boundaries if we don't help to establish them. So I find that it's a really safe and healthy way for children to learn what's appropriate and what what isn't appropriate to discuss. Katie, I just want to repeat the answer that you give when your kids ask questions that are of a truly private nature, because when our kids know that they can come to us with anything, they do tend to get really comfortable, which can lead to questions that are too private to answer. So we want to answer in a way that keeps the lines of communication open. In other words, we don't want to embarrass them or discourage them from asking us those questions, while at the same time, we don't want to share things that really shouldn't be shared. Katie, your response is so good in those situations. You say, well, that's something special that God has said should remain between a husband and a wife. And one day when you're married, you'll be able to share those things with your spouse as well. I just love that. There is so much wisdom in that answer. Well, Ginger, do you have any final thoughts about ways we can encourage our kids to understand sex from a biblical perspective? Yes. As we mentioned, 
we really want to start instilling that biblical perspective sooner rather than later. We can get those conversations started by asking them what their friends have to say about it, because believe me, they're talking about it. Mm. Or if they are going to school, what their teachers are saying about it, and then ask their thoughts about what they're hearing. Hopefully, we're all monitoring what our kids are seeing and hearing, but in our world today, it's pretty much inevitable that they'll witness sexuality in ways that do not honor God. So ask them what they thought about what they saw. Asking questions and encouraging questions gives us a window into what they're thinking, which brings about opportunities to help them rightly understand God's good intentions for sex. Also, when our kids have a holy perspective of sex, they're able to discern that which is ugly and sinful versus that which is beautiful and holy. When we help our children understand that sex is part of God's good plan, they will view it through a biblical lens instead of a worldly lens, and that's what we want. Mm -hmm. Our children should view sex as a beautiful gift we get to enjoy in His timing, not a shameful act we don't discuss. The way we communicate or don't communicate with our kids about sex will greatly influence their thoughts about it. Well, Ginger, we made it. And neither of us are traumatized by the conversation. <laughs> I can't speak for our listeners, but we do pray, listeners, that this has been helpful to you. And so, Ginger, how about leaving us with a final word of encouragement? Sure. Because God talks about sex in the Bible, we should not be uncomfortable or afraid to talk about it with our kids. In the Bible, God lays out His design for sex, and He says it's good. He clearly defines when it's beautiful and when it's ugly, when it's honoring to Him and when it's sinful. God openly talks about sex with His children, so we should do the same. When we talk freely and openly with our kids, we're creating a safe place for them to talk freely and openly. If we're comfortable talking about it, they're going to be comfortable talking about it, which gives us more opportunities to point them to Jesus and the truths of His Word regarding this topic. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you just leave us a rating or a review? This, listeners, is actually a huge help to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our very best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, A Mom's Look at Heart-Oriented Discipline, as well as the six-week study guide at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or a two-day conference. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. I haven't had any sex talks with my kids and have had few conversations with them about puberty with my eight-year-old. That is a hard word for me to say today. I'm going to try it one more time. Here we go. Just for the record, my dad always called publics publics. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he did.
daddy. That's not it's okay. Publix. No, watch, daddy. Watch Publix. <laughs> Watch the way I listen. <laughs> Please stop saying that. Oh, no. This Daddy. has to go in the outtakes. I love oh, it. Oh, he's so fun. 